Buenos dias. Welcome to the People Power Everything podcast. I am your host, John Dallas, and I believe that there is power in the masses. The goal of this podcast is to talk about that power, how we can help it manifest itself for all of us, and some lessons I've learned along the way. This episode, I'll be reading and commenting on an article I originally wrote March 27th, 2023. Uh, It's called Falling Head Over Heels for Leaders, Unraveling the Romance of Leadership. Ooh, romance. Have you ever found yourself doing exactly what you're paid to do and getting no recognition while the one person making things work on the project that it's been on fire for months get heaps for being a leader and saving the day? If so, you're not alone. This is something I actually talk about in another article called When We Recognize the Wrong Things. When you have one person who's making things work, they're doing great work and we have to recognize that. But at the same time, I had a former leader who used to say, if you need a hero, then somebody's not doing their job right. And that was my experience on a few different projects that... I was leading and delivering very quietly. Everything was going well. I had a really good team who communicated well, who built software that worked, who talked to the customer organizations and made sure their needs were met. And everything was delivered with not a lot of fanfare because it just worked. But that was our goal. That was the the reason for our jobs. And the disappointing part was when we did that and we didn't have to bring in executives to help us or have bosses get us more people or more money or more time. But we just delivered and no recognition came. And I literally had to go out to executives and say, you guys need to sit down and recognize the team that delivered a project on time on budget, with high quality, exactly what you wanted, but they didn't make any noise. And I was a little surprised by the reaction and saying, well, we weren't all that aware that it was delivering because there was no noise. There was no escalations. There were, there were no fires to put out. And I just responded, yep, that's exactly what we're supposed to do. So now you need to turn around and give all the people some recognition a lot of recognition because they did their job right. It turns out many are obsessed with leaders and there's a theory to explain why. Welcome to the wild world of Mindell's romance of leadership. In this episode, which dovetails nicely in the series about followership, we're going to break down the key points of this fascinating theory and show you how it applies to our everyday lives. And by shining a light on the overexposure of leaders, I hope you will see the importance of great followers who often end up in the shadows. So grab a comfy seat and let's explore our love affair with leaders. No dating apps required. Before we dive in, how about some context? Leadership is a tricky thing to understand, and it can be even harder to put into practice. We're all guilty of daydreaming about heroic leaders, but do they really exist? Or are they just a figment of our collective imagination, like a unicorn or the perfect latte made with oat milk? As we explore the five key points of Mindell's romance of leadership, we'll see how our fascination with leadership shapes our perceptions and expectations, 
and maybe even learn a thing or two about how to view leadership in a more balanced way. The first item is attribution. So people love to give credit or blame to leaders for everything that happens, whether it's a company's success or a team's failure. It's like we're hardwired to look for someone at the top to hold accountable for pretty much everything. After all, it's way easier to point fingers than to dig into the nitty-gritty details and figure out the truth of the matter. This really is the attribution bias being exposed uh, in relation to leaders. And what I mean by that is the attribution bias is our tendency as humans to attribute failure to other people or circumstances or uh, things going on around us instead of our own actions. And when we're successful, we tend to attribute that to our efforts and how we are good people and how we're well surrounded. So you'll see with leadership, we kind of do the same thing where we say, oh, the leader is great in that position. And that's why things went well without taking into account a lot of the context. Um, maybe that person was lucky. Maybe the timing was great. Maybe the leader before them had made some decisions and they just continued to implement them. So while they're a good leader for continuing them, they're not necessarily to be given credit for the original idea or way of thinking or direction the company's taking. The second item is simplification. The world's a complicated place. And let's be honest, understanding every aspect of a situation is tough. But guess what? The romance of leadership gives us a simple, easy to digest explanation for why things happen. It's like going to a tasting menu experience where the chef makes all the choices for us. And it's always awesome. It just makes life easier and sometimes more tasty. So what this basically means is whenever we give credit to a leader and it's an easy thing to do, that's simplification. You know, why did things work out the way they did? It's really difficult to go around and say all the different factors that could have contributed to how well things went or how bad they went. But it's really easy just to say, well, it's because of the leader that's in place. And either way, good or bad, uh, that's a really easy, really simple explanation. And it's the idea of a scapegoat as well. There could have been circumstances surrounding things that happened in personal lives or in work lives. There could have been economic conditions. There could have been legal changes. Any number of conditions could have changed, but we tend to blame or give all the credit to the simplest explanation. There's also... The reverse of that, which is Occam's razor, which tells us the simplest explanation is generally the right one. So I guess we have to look around a bit and be realistic, true to ourselves around what's actually happening, who deserves credit, who deserves some of the blame, and honestly, what we can learn from it around what we could do better next time, and that the leader is also a human, and humans make mistakes. Uh, as they say, to err is human, to forgive divine. The third is bias. You know how people sometimes claim their pet has a sixth sense? Well, the romance of leadership can make us believe that leaders have some mystical, innate ability to guide their teams, even when they're just as human as the rest of us. The interesting thing here is, we all have bias. We're going to say, well, I didn't like that CEO anyways, and that's why the company failed because he wasn't a good person. Or the other way around, um, he's a great 
CEO or she's a great CEO. And that's why we're having success is because we all like her without actually thinking about everything else going on around and maybe making a rational evaluation of the situation independently of what that is. There are also what we call cognitive biases and there are over a hundred of them. So I won't name them all, but these are shortcuts your brain takes in order to make decisions faster, but it can also cause us to make bad decisions. Uh, For example, the anchoring bias is when you just take a number, any number, it could be random, could be related to a price uh, of something like a car or a hat you're negotiating for on a beach in Mexico. And to take the example of the beach in Mexico, if the vendor tells you, oh, this is a great hat, it's worth about $40, you know it's not worth $40. It's probably worth a lot less. But as you negotiate down, any price you end up getting will make you happy. You won't know what the hat actually cost, but you know that the original price was $40. You know that was overpriced. You negotiated it down. You'll be proud of yourself and happy. The anchoring bias makes us believe that that higher price is a starting point and we end up working our way away from that as much as possible. But it's always our original point of comparison. So biases at work are powerful things. The fourth is expectations. When we buy into the romance of leadership, we can end up with sky-high expectations for our leaders. We might expect them to know everything, do everything, and be everything, which, let's be real, is a recipe for disappointment. Now this one can actually apply to personal lives and work lives in that we should have expectations. Like for example, I would expect my dog not to bark while I'm recording this, but you may have just heard a little bit, but we can set expectations at work in saying, here's how long it's going to take me to do a task and set a realistic expectation that has some buffer in it because we as humans really suck at figuring out how long things are going to take. And then when we deliver it, if we deliver it under that time, then great. Everybody's happy. If it goes over, we've actually built in a bit of buffer around that and we can not be as late as we would have been had we gone with our first assumption. And we can also set expectations for ourselves in terms of how much effort we're going to put in, how disciplined we're going to be uh, about any of our goals. So it's something that we can actually do in terms of setting expectations and also expecting things of others and being realistic about it. Uh, Some say that if you don't expect anything, you'll never be disappointed. I don't really like to go that far where I know I should be able to have some realistic expectations. But at the same time, I also know that if somebody doesn't meet my expectations, then that's on me. It's not on them. The fifth is real world consequences. This isn't just some abstract idea. The romance of leadership has some pretty legit real-world consequences. For example, when we put too much faith in a leader, we might overlook the importance of teamwork or the need to hold everyone accountable for their actions. And when the going gets tough, we might focus on finding a scapegoat instead of fixing the problem. In a nutshell, Mindell's romance of leadership theory shows us that we're all a little bit guilty of looking for heroes and villains in the world around us. 
The key is to recognize it, learn from it, and remember that leadership isn't always about the person at the top. It's about the team, the culture, and a whole bunch of other factors that come into play. Great followers have a lot more to do with the level of success a team can achieve than the leadership. After all, there are way more followers than leaders. Followers are doing the work, pushing together towards the goal of helping each other be better. So the next time you're tempted to put a leader on a pedestal or throw them under the bus, take a step back and remember Mindel's words of wisdom. Often, the real heroes are the ones working behind the scenes. I hope you have a great week ahead and remember that people power everything, even our perceptions of leaders and followers.